In this episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, I have three topics for you. So the first one is going to be de-risking your retirement portfolio. The second is going to be some charitable giving strategies. And the third is going to be several different ways that you might exit your business. So I hope that you are enjoying this new format. Let me know your thoughts, David at ParallelFinancial.com, or join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook and just put in The Weekly Wealth Podcast in the search bar. It'll take you right there. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. All right, so let's get started with the first topic, which is de-risking your retirement portfolio. And one of the major fears that many pre-retirees or retirees have is that once I stop working, once I no longer have income coming in, we're going to have a huge, huge, huge uh, market downturn and the value of my investments is going to go uh, significantly down. So let's say you have $2 million, it's going to go down to $500,000. Let's say you have a million dollars, it's going to go down to $200,000. Now, this may or may not be a logical and rational fear, but one of my goals as a financial advisor is to help my clients to sleep at night with how they handle their money. So if you're getting to the point or you're in the point of retirement where you don't have income coming in and you don't have the time to make up market losses, then this is a strategy that you might want to either do some research yourself or discuss with your financial advisor or discuss with me. And it may help you to sleep at night and it may also help you to have some guaranteed income. So most of us will end up with some sort of retirement accounts, and most of us will also end up with Social Security. So what I like to tell my clients is, especially with retirement planning, my job and our goal is to help you to reach your income goals. That's how much money you need every month, every week, every year to live off of, and also take the least amount of risk that is necessary. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you are a married couple and you have determined that you need uh, about $75,000 a year of income to live off of. And let's say that we look at your social security statements and, and making some wise decisions on, on when you should take your social security income, your social security is going to provide forty-five dollars or $50,000 per year. So we have a gap of about $25,000 to make up to kind of give you your base amount of money that you want to live off per year. Now, let's say that you have a 401k plan or an IRA or some sort of other long-term retirement plan. What you might consider doing is working with a financial advisor and determining, hey, I need $25,000 worth of income. What sort of an annuity might give me the guaranteed amount of $25,000 per year? That way, I know that in this hypothetical situation, uh, the Social Security income plus the annuity income gives me what I need. And if the hypothetical worst case scenario of a down market happens, and don't forget, it's not likely to happen, but if it does, you will still always have the amount of money that you need each month to live off of. 
and then the remainder of your retirement accounts will still be invested in the market. And under normal circumstances, in normal times, your accounts will get 6%, 7%, 8%, 10%, 11%. But many of my clients and many people out there, they just feel more comfortable knowing that they are insulated from the really a horrible fear that they have of having the markets take a really cataclysmic drop. So again, this may not be a totally rational fear, and there haven't been too many times in history where the markets have have taken more than a 30, 40, or 50% drop in, in, in one or two years. But if it does happen, and I can't predict the future, uh, if it does happen and you have the majority or all of your retirement needed income guaranteed, then you might be happy that you took this strategy. So again, annuities are contracts issued by life insurance companies. It's shoot, we could do an entire episode or series of episodes on the different types of annuities and the different uh, features of annuities. But annuities typically are used to provide lifetime income to clients. So they're issued by life insurance companies. There's a lot of um, requirements on the back end as far as guidelines, and they're highly regulated. So annuities are a very safe way to provide for monthly income. So if you have any questions about how this might look for you, shoot me an email, david at parallelfinancial.com. We could take a look at your situation, but uh, yeah, consider using an annuity to fund part of your unguaranteed retirement income needs. Oh yeah, and one more thing on annuities. If you're working with somebody who calls himself a financial advisor and they want you to put the overwhelming majority of your money in an annuity, run like the wind. It's almost never a great idea to put all of your money or a significant portion of your money in an annuity. So just keep that in mind. It's great for a portion, but understand your product. Okay, so let's talk charitable giving. Now, if you've listened to any of my episodes, you've heard me say over and over and over that I believe that how we handle our money should positively impact our lives and the lives of those around us. So there are many, many ways that we can do that, but I always talk to my clients about charitable giving. Now, there are many ways that you can give charitably, and the most common one is, hey, you know, you just write a check. You write a check to your church, you write a check to a charitable organization, and that's a great and beautiful thing, but I wanted to give you a couple other ideas. So the first idea would be to leave a charity in your will. So you'll need to make an amendment to your will and your attorney can handle this, but you can leave your house to a charitable organization. You can leave your car. You can leave a certain piece of property to a charitable organization. Now, if your dependents, if your family, uh, if, if they are financially well off and they don't need your assets, then this might be a great option for you. And you could know that uh, towards the end of the life, of your life, you are you've taken some steps that can help you, that can help your the organizations that you care about to thrive. Another option is to name a charitable organization as a partial beneficiary in your life insurance policy. So many parents get life insurance, and it's really strictly for the benefit of their children. If God forbids the parents don't make it home that night, there would be some money that can still pay for the expenses of the children. Well, if you get to the point in life where you are now older, your children are now adults, they're doing well financially, 
you might consider maybe taking a third of the death benefit and leaving that to an organization and leaving the other two thirds to your children or whatever, you know, whatever ratios or amounts you feel comfortable with. But this is another way that towards the end of your life, you can know that you are setting up this organization that you care about, that you feel is doing great work. You can set them up for some financial success. And we all know that all organizations, all churches, all 501c3 companies, they have expenses and they need resources in order to uh, to survive. Now, two other options that I want to give you today, and there are so many different ways that you can give to 501c3 company corporations, but these are uh, just a few, is to give highly appreciated stock away. Now, what you can do is let's say you have a stock that has a basis of, uh, of $10, just making up a number, and now the stock has a value of $100. So if you were charitably inclined and maybe you wanted to give a hundred dollars to a charity, you have basically two options, right? You can simply write a check to that company or you could give that, um, you can give that stock to the company and then that's going to help you to avoid a lot of, um, uh, capital gains tax that you would have because that, that hypothetical stock has a $90 gain. So giving highly appreciated stocks to 501c3 organizations is a great way to avoid some capital gains tax. You just have to remember that you have to actually give the stock, you have to give the security to the organization. You're not going to sell the security and then give them the cash. That's a, that's a mistake that some people make. And finally, let's talk about your RMDs, your required minimum distributions from your IRAs or 401ks. So as of the time of recording this podcast, after age 73, the IRS says that you have to start taking money out of your IRA every year. And the reason they do this is because for many, many years, you would have gotten a tax break uh, on the way in. So when you were putting money into your IRA, that lowered your taxable income and you got a tax savings. And now the IRS says, well, you've reached 73 years old and you have to start taking monies out each year. Then of course, you're going to pay tax on it. And that's where they're getting their revenue. So you have this as an option. Let's say that you do not need the income from your required minimum distributions in order to cover your living expenses. Maybe you have pensions, maybe you have rental properties, other sources of income, but you still, because you're 73, you have to start taking your required minimum distributions, which creates a taxable event. Well, instead of taking your required minimum distributions, you can send that money directly to a 501c3 charity. And then you're satisfying the RMD requirements, but you're not having to pay taxes on that money. So it's a little way that you can give, but also you can have um, you can have some tax benefits. So don't forget, uh, you can to recap. You can leave property in your will to uh, 501c3 charities. You can leave part of your life insurance uh, death benefit to 501c3 charities. You can give highly appreciated stocks or other assets to 501c3 charities. You can also give monies from your retirement account directly to 501c3 uh, companies, and that will save you from having to pay income tax on that money. So 
What do you think about these? Email me, David, at ParallelFinancial.com with any questions. And finally, I'd like to talk about some ways that you might end up exiting your business. So the first one that's pretty common is that parents end up selling or transferring the business to their children. Now, this could be a great thing to happen. It keeps the business in the family, but there are also some negatives. So oftentimes you don't quite get the highest possible selling price or the best deal when you're selling to your kids. Now, that may be by design or it may be by some guilt or or anything like that, but you don't typically maximize the financial benefit of the parents. Number two is sometimes children, they'll take over the business out of a sense of duty, but it may not actually be what they are passionate about doing. And then ultimately in the long term, the business does not succeed. So make sure that if your children are, um, if they are obtaining your business, either buying it through a, uh, an installment sale or paying cash or anything like that, make sure and have some heart-to-heart conversations that, is this really what you want to do? And are you capable of handling the business? Or is this something that you are doing out of duty? So the first one is transfer to a family member. A second method that you might use to exit your business would be a management buyout. And what this means that in some way, shape or form, whether it's through uh, self-financing or outside financing, that your management or your management team would be buying your business. Now, like anything else, this is going to have some pros and cons. Some of the pros would be that your management would know the business and they may take continuity in the business because a lot of times they're the face of the business. But a lot of times the cons are couple things could happen if management knows that uh, this transition is a year or two or three out. Are they going to maybe sandbag? Are they going to maybe not work as hard as they can? Because businesses typically are sold based on a multiple of profits or EBITDA. So is sandbagging a possibility? Uh, sometimes management, they're, they're they're good at managing, but they're not great entrepreneurs and they may not be able to keep the business going in the way that it needs to. And if you finance and if you if you fund if you're financing under an installment plan where management is gonna have to pay you over time, you need for the bill for the business to succeed, or else there's a chance that you might may not recoup your um the debt that you're you're providing for them. And also Sometimes when you're dealing with management or family, like we discussed, you're not going to get the best deals. You're going to try to give a deal to be nice. And if this is your largest asset, maybe that's not what you should do unless you have uh, uh, outside sources of income and revenue from other areas. So management buyout is when your your management team buys out your company. You may not get the best terms. Uh, they may sandbag. They may not be the greatest entrepreneurs, but it will help you to I- improve uh, continuity, keep it into the outside family. The third one is kind of the typical way that most people would think that businesses are sold or transferred, but it's not uh, not as common as you might think. And that's just selling to a uh, to a third party, to a strategic buyer. So obviously, if you're not selling to your kids and not selling to your management team, you're going to look for a higher price, which is a great thing. Uh, Larger organizations like private equity firms, they may be able to pay the entire amount up front. So you'd be looking at a large cash uh, payment up front. And sometimes, but not always, you're kind of relieved of the possibility of having to owner finance a business. 
Uh, owner financing can put you to risk that you may not ever receive the full purchase price if the business fails and things like that. So make sure that if you are owner financing, you are getting wise counsel from your attorney, from your financial advisor, and that you are prepared to do what you need to do to help the business succeed. Some of the negatives of uh, just selling to a third party is there's a long process of just having it happen. There's due diligence, there's letters, let, uh, letters of intent, and, and it can take a while. And there are costs involved with, with attorneys and, and brokers and so on and so forth. And it also can be emotional for the owner because you're kind of cutting ties once that, uh, once that deal is closed. So you may or may not have control over what happens with your key employees. And let's face it, sometimes your key employees, you know, they're almost as close as family. So if the third party sale is something that appeals to you, just make sure that you're doing your due diligence, make sure that you're working with a professional and make sure that you know what is going to happen and the terms, especially if you are, uh, if you're serving some of that yourself, the last way that businesses exit, or at least that we're going to talk about today is liquidation. Now, in the event that the assets of the business, the land, the equipment, the building, so on and so forth, are worth more than the actual business itself, the goodwill, then sometimes you really have no choice than just to sell off the assets. Now, we never want to be in this situation because ultimately, if I'm selling my business, I'd like to be getting a large sum of money in exchange for the goodwill and the cash flow and the future cash flow that the business should provide. So if you're in a, an industry that is dying, sometimes you're just in a position where you have to liquidate your assets and then you're not really receiving any money for the goodwill and for the future cash flow of the business. So don't forget that one of the uh, services that I offer my clients is I can help my clients with exit planning. I can help my clients with increasing the value of their business so that they can sell the business for a higher multiple when they're ready or simply have an easier and more profitable life today. So if this is something that interests you, go to my website, www.allofmyassets.com. And it doesn't have to be related to any of today's three topics. But if you've ever wondered what it might be like to work with me personally as your financial advisor, I have a very simple process. So go to my website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. Click on the Contact Us button at the top, and that will take you to my schedule. From there, you schedule a 30-minute appointment that could be either in person if you're local or by Zoom, and we'll spend about 30 minutes and we'll talk about some of the 30,000-foot aspects of your financial situation. We'll talk about some of your fears, some of your dreams, and we'll discuss if there are any next steps. Really, it's that simple, and I don't charge for this appointment. So www.weeklywealthpodcast.com and go to the Contact Us button at the top. So I appreciate all the listeners and I am thankful that you are listening to the podcast. If you've gotten any value, please feel free to share this information in this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your colleagues and with your coworkers. As I always say, I believe that how we handle our money should positively impact our lives and the lives of those around us. And this information that we provide on a weekly basis should be a great first step in that direction. So until next episode, I wish everybody a blessed week.